Hey everyone, I just wanted to put in a quick content warning uh, for our first topic, which was about uncomfortable topics at the table. And if you think that you might be sensitive to hearing some of these things, we don't go into full detail about it, but it's more about like why not to do it. Uh, but if you still think that that might be something that upsets you, I would say go ahead and jump to 2720. You should be good there. Uh, the topic itself starts at 815, so you can listen to the beginning of the show and uh, everything should be cool. But uh, yeah, just want to drop that in there real quick. Enjoy the show. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about uncomfortable topics and imposter syndrome, uh, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Allie, how were your games this week? Oh, they were fun. This was the first week where we tried to bring in one of our friends over Skype. However, it turned out, since he was moving, he didn't have internet at the time. Ooh, that's a problem. And so instead of Skype, we literally just called him and put him on speakerphone. (laughs) And it worked out brilliantly. I literally just rolled all the dice for him and said, okay, here's this number. And he's like, uh, this is my score now. (laughs) And it worked out really well. Um, We got an airship. Uh, Spencer DM'd again. Okay. Yeah, it was the Acquisitions Inc. uh, game. Oh, nice. And it was so, so it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy being a player. <laughs> but um, also I did the first session zero of the other game, and that was fun too. But that was a while ago. Um, but yeah, it was really just that one game. And then of course we did Pathfinder, which was really cool too. Um, yeah, that was a good one. But that was pretty much me. What about you? Uh, I ran another game for my coworkers who got upset at me last time for only referring to them as my coworkers. So my friends from work. <laughs> There, Jeff, Summer. Uh, <laughs> um, and actually, like, calling it the coworker game is weird because, like, there's five people in the game now, and only two of them are my coworkers. Uh huh. Because two of them left, and then one of them is another one, fr- one of their friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it went really well. We played again at the, the game store, I rented the table. Uh, it was a much better table this time because it w- wasn't as crammed together oh that's good so like everybody was like had their space and everything like that mm-hmm. and i got to sit underneath a giant beholder it's really great <laughs> at one point they overheard a bandit talking about an eye monster and they're like, <gasps> and I, and I'm like why would you think it's a beholder i don't know what you think why would you <laughs> this isn't themed or put together at all no no, no. it wasn't a beholder which is the great part oh nice uh, <laughs> but yeah that one went uh went really well uh i literally met one of the players that night Oh, cool. Um, and, you know, I think beforehand I would have been more anxious about that. But mm-hmm. since we do the bookstore game. Now it's it's like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a new person. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, yep, there's somebody I don't know sitting at my table. Hey, how's it going? Yep. <laughs> that so. is something that's nice about doing the bookstore games mm-hmm. is that that's some experience as a DM that I, I think you really can only get either at conventions or doing Adventures League. Yes, yeah. Um, and... But the, the 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 weird thing is I'm I'm so I'm running Lost Minds of Fendelver, mm-hmm. but I'm running it as it is, and I've oh. never done that before. I've either stopped right at the cave, like in the adventure series, yeah, or I've done something else to it to make it go a little bit faster. And this one, I'm just going, nope, it's going at its own pace, right? Yeah, and so like they're taking care of bandits right now that I've never dealt with. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about because 
uh, running Storm King's Thunder, my players were level 10 and up. Mm. Obviously, this is an adventure meant for levels 3 through 10. And so I had to adjust a ton of encounters. And then all of a sudden, we played one of the encounters at the bookstore. And I'm like, I've literally never done this encounter before, even though I've done this entire <laughs> temple. <laughs> so it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's baffling. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, then we did uh, we did our Pathfinder game on Saturday. That mm-hmm. one went well. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, people were respect. And it yeah, it's cool. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, my companion is brand new and awesome. And her goth phase was a phase. Her goth phase was a phase, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah she's a lot better now. <laughs> She's uh she's getting over the fact that she's Bobby Hugga's grand granddaughter. So yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh I think uh, I think that's all I did. Yeah, that was a good week. Well, uh, let's move into some news. You know, we, we got we got the dungeon keeping. I feel like we should find something for like the news. Yeah. The dungeon report. Like, no, that's terrible. Like the. Uh... Like something along the lines of the help wanted board. Yeah, like, something like that. If if any listeners out there have any ideas for that, send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com and please. maybe we will use it. <laughs> um, but let's see. First up, we've got some Idle Champion news, and it's not just us gushing about the game. <gasps> but it is. It, well, I mean, okay, yep. <laughs> uh, anywho, so uh, they are partnering with Take This, which is a nonprofit uh, organization promoting the awareness of mental health. So cool. I yeah. Love it. Uh, Take This does a really cool thing at conventions, specifically PAX, uh, where they have something called an AFK room. And what it is, it's basically a quiet space off to the side where if you have anxiety problems, mm-hmm. if you don't do well around a lot of people, or you just need to recharge your, your internal batteries, you just go here. It's quiet. It's a safe place. You just sit down and recharge. And that's so perfect. I mean, like, personally, the last time I went to a convention was, like, in 2011 Comic-Con. But even back then, I I couldn't even tell you how awesome that would be to have just a single room like oh that. Oh, my God. That would have been so good. Like, just one of the smaller ballrooms. Just like, oh, yeah, here's a room where you can just sit down for a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, for the pictures I saw, they just had beanbags everywhere. Oh, that is so nice. So nice. So nice. So totally, yeah. Um, but the partnership is that they are doing—they have a familiar in Idol Champions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with it. I think it's from the C team, uh, but it's a—it's a little Blue Jay. What the? What is its full name? Uh, it is Vizier the Stellar. Vizier the Stellar's J yeah. familiar pack, uh, and it comes with the familiar and a bunch of other stuff. It's ten bucks, but really the thing is, it this goes towards a really good cause. So if you play Idol Champions, even if you don't need another familiar right now, I would say just pick it up because it is going towards a really good cause mm-hmm. that both Ali and I are in major favor of. Definitely. And if you don't need a favor, like a, what are they called? A familiar? Yeah. You, you, you can use more familiars. You always can. <laughs> you always can use more familiars. Yeah. Everybody needs a bird. <laughs> Uh, the second bit of news is just a little preview thing. Joe Mandanello uh, put out a Twitter post that showed off a bunch of characters. It looks so cool. Yeah, <laughs> these are a bunch of characters from uh, De- Descent to Invernus. And uh, his main uh, player character, Archon, is going to be it. We've known that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, they have this freaking wicked turtle called crawl oh my god which, like, like has, all the sigils drawn on his 
Chell and everything yeah, like my, that. He's got a cool freaking staff. Yeah. Like, oh my god, this artwork is so good. And the artwork's done by Max Dunbar, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's so freaking cool. There's Did you a see Minotaur the artwork for Archon himself too. Yeah. Oh yeah, with him standing in front of the Minotaur. Yeah. Freaking sweet. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> uh, but it also says on there that uh, they are going to have a new set of WizKids playable miniatures of these. <gasps> Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I got more minis I got to paint. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a problem. <laughs> we don't. No, we, we totally don't. Um, but, yeah, I, I go check out Joe's uh, uh, Twitter. I said that like I know him. Yeah. Go check out Joe Manganiello's uh, Twitter account <laughs> uh, and check out this art because it is freaking cool. Yeah, we'll retweet a few of those as well. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm on the difficulty class where you can follow at difficulty class i'm just gonna read to you right now there nice. we go this, there this is uh this is in game and if you follow <laughs> us show. you can find all these things easily in one place i know you don't even have to <laughs> go anywhere it's amazing <laughs> all right well that's all the news we got for this week we got no dungeon keeping because that place is clean as hell nice uh <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to some heavy stuff Asarak would be proud yeah uh so yeah like i said uh this episode's probably gonna be a little bit heavy yeah um, these are some things that we want to talk about for a while and it kind of felt like they made a good match together just because they are not the cheeriest of topics. Yeah. And I mean, like, it'd be kind of one thing to like, oh, you know, how to build a player character and then all of a sudden be like, oh, and now to bring you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be uh, pulling that, uh, that sad lever. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping you down into a pit of sadness in the dungeon. Um... So the first topic is uncomfortable topics. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really find a nice short way of saying this. <laughs> so I went with uncomfortable topics, or as I like to refer to it, how to lose friends and alienate people. Yep. <laughs> which is also a really good Simon Pig movie you should check out. Um, so this is a lot of topics in one. And it's yeah. kind of the overarching view of maybe don't. That's a great uh, summary. so like what i mean by this is racism yeah sexism yeah uh slurs yeah uh any kind of like homophobic things yeah (laughs) It, it it's stuff that when i read stuff on reddit about things happening like this it blows my mind because it's stuff that i personally would never Never. put into my game and I've thought about doing this topic for a while, but what really solidified it was my Friday game. One of my players said, oh, well, we go into this tavern, but is it okay for us two Dragonborn to be in here? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do they like Dragonborn? And like that question had never been posed to me as a DM. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're a person (laughs) yeah like i've never run things where there is this hatred towards other races or stuff i might do it with like goblins or kobolds or something somebody that things that are considered monster races well not just that something that i consider to be stupid yeah (laughs) doesn't know anybody i mean like but if an idiot walks into a bar and starts blowing things up then anyone's gonna be mad at them Yeah. yeah and so I, I like I said, I've read a lot of stuff on Reddit about this. In fact, today doing research for this, mm-hmm. I stumbled upon a subreddit called RPG Horror Stories. Oh, geez. Which I don't recommend anyone here to go look at, no. but I subscribed because I'm a masochist. <laughs> uh, and it is 
like I, I just I hit uh, you know, top posts of all time and it is mind numbing. Yeah. There was a uh, a DM who apparently was like, Oh, well this world has its own language and the uh the word for hello is the N word. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not allowed. So you know, what I'm trying to say is like, obviously, don't do this. But the other side of this is if you're at a table that makes you uncomfortable, that does anything like that, because I've seen uh, probably the most heinous one for me is that I've seen ones where DMs uh, have a bandit or something try to rape a player character. Oh, I mean, like, I think that was just happened in the. So I would say news, but mm. it's more like the D&D community news. Um, it was just before we actually started this podcast together where... Was this the BBC one? No, it was at a convention. Okay. And it was an unofficial Adventures League sanctioned... Adventures League, essentially. Mm. And there was this one DM who was like, oh yeah, so we're going to start you off um, in prison and it's going to be one of you... Like three of you are getting kidnapped and raped. And the person who was playing there, she was like... Yeah, my little brother, this was his first time playing D&D. Oh my god. The DM did not prep us for any of this, and that was not okay. And so, like, they had to take steps to make sure he didn't DM again. However, like, the convention wasn't, like, fully 100% behind banning him forever, so they just kind of put a semi-permanent ban Mm -hmm. until he, like, I don't know, rectifies or something like that. But it's, like, that's, it's those sort of things where you just should not be at the table at all. No. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've I've seen people try to defend this by saying that, oh, well, it's that's what happens in real life. Okay, so here's my thing about that. And this doesn't this is doesn't just stop at D and D. This goes into fantasy novels, movies, video games, what have you. Yeah. This is a fantasy world, which means literally anything you want to happen or not happen, yeah, can do so. So this is a place that isn't connected in any way, shape, or form to reality. So if racism doesn't exist there, that's fine. Because you know mm-hmm. what? It has nothing to do with our freaking terrible world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing is, is that I know in the player's handbook, there are three specific races that they even go out of their way of saying these guys are not liked. And I'm not even mentioning drow, too. Yeah. I'm talking about half-elves, half-orcs, and tieflings. Yeah. And it's like all three of those, they even say in the book, like, ah, they're not usually liked. If they go into a place, they're scrutinized. And it's like, I don't understand why necessarily. Like, I get it because of the, there's a history behind it, but. Really, when it comes down to it, it's left over from Tolkien. Yeah. Like, that's that's all. The the, the scene at Rivendell where it's like, I'm not working with an elf. Like. When you when you really get down to it, like a lot of people laugh at that scene and everything, and like I do too. But like when you really get down to it, like if that was like in real world, it's like I'm not working with insert other race here. It's like wow, you're a terrible person. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, it's uh, it, it's it's dated concepts. Yeah, and like yeah, I I'm I, if I'm at the table and. Like, something like racism or sexism comes up. Like, I'm going to be like, whoa, can we have a conversation about this real quick? Yeah. I mean, definitely. That's something that is very 
kind of important. But sometimes it'll just never come up until it does. Yeah. And that's when you should just kind of put a pause on things and be like, okay, guys, let me just put down what I feel like this world is doing. Because, like, as the DM, you have that power to write how the world will treat women. Well, like, (laughs) I did... It, it only went for one session, but I did a Pathfinder game where I was like, hey, so in this world, the bad guys won. Mm-hmm. L- centuries ago, these ten bad guys did the thing, beat the good guys, and rule the world. So everything was terrible. But even then, like, I, like, I just alluded to things because it, it's, it, it doesn't need to specifically be there. Yeah. And... You should also, like, again, read the table that's, and not that's just go part. for the lowest hanging fruit of shock value. Oh, yeah. Shock value. Like, as far as storytelling devices go, shock value is uh, not a great one. It's freaking terrible. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I will say that, like, putting racism in a game can also be up to your table because, like, some tables would prefer some sort of level of some like hatred or something like that in the game because then they can get a feel of i can overcome that and prove them wrong yeah and so it's something similar to like real world situation where there yeah there is racism and so even though you are x like you can still overcome that and show them that they're terribly wrong and stupid and be better than what they are it's for like quote unquote drama yeah but there's plenty of other things you can do to have drama in your stories i mean it is a fantasy world yeah yeah. <laughs> There's literal demons. <laughs> yeah. As that guy with terrible hair in the 80s said, there are Dungeons and Dragons demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's just important that you talk to your table about what they would want out of them. Yes. I feel like this is something that needs to be brought up in that session zero. Yeah. Is like, hey, so like this world that I'm building is a terrible place. What stuff is stepping the line? Yeah, definitely bring up that. Yeah. Bring up where people's lines because it's it's because here's the thing: like if you're a player and you're at a table and the DM does something in story that makes you completely uncomfortable, you can leave that table. Yeah, like do like even if they're your friends and they're like, <laughs> "Hey, what's going on?" You can just be like, "Nah, I'm I'm good," and walk away from that table and explain yourself later because mm-hmm. you don't need to put yourself through that. God, it, it is no. just a game in yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, if the table is unresponsive to how you're feeling about it, you can, you should go find another group. Yeah. Cause it's, it's important to respect each other's, uh, feelings and, and especially when it comes to, you know, fragile topics like these. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's important to definitely get that conversation, especially at session zero with a group of people that you probably never played with before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially if you're maybe homebrewing a setting too. Yeah. Um, if you have an idea of what the world is like and uh, part of that world building is, oh, uh, is predominantly human and these other races are what they are. They're other races. Yeah. Then bring that up to the group. Don't be like, oh, yeah, um, everyone make characters and all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, elves are like super rare and everybody hates them when two of your people have elves in the group. Because yeah. then, one, that puts a surprise on the players that they don't really want. Mm-hmm. Two, it's it's kind of rude because it's like you're putting a limitation on your own world there. Well, and like the other thing is, is those players coming to the table with elves, if they told you they're coming to the table with elves might feel like, are you just doing this because we picked that? 
Yeah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that that's that's happened. But yeah, yeah, it's and for, it's not fun for DMs out there that are thinking about doing this or have had a problem with this. This is why I say how to lose friends and alienate people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have this conversation and you just pull one of these really sensitive topics out, it, it might not go well for you. No, and. In some regards, like what word stood for hello, it shouldn't go well for you. No, yeah, no. He deserved every ounce of backlash that person ever got. Yeah. <laughs> That's just so wrong. Yeah. Uh, it, it, no. There's... When people come to this table, and when I say this table, I mean your table, my table, any table. Yeah, a table where you're playing D&D. They're looking to have fun. That's the number one rule. Yeah. Have fun. And, you know, for me personally... That means that I don't really want to think about the terrible crap that's going on yeah. in the world. I mean, like, personally, I'm kind of the same way, too. Like, when I play characters, I want to play the good characters. Yeah. I want to play the hero. I, like, I want to be a good person and be strong and helpful. Because it's, like, these are things that I struggle with in real life. Where it's, like, I sometimes I don't feel like I'm helpful or strong. And so it's, like, every now and then, you know, that little bit of escapism is really nice. But... At, at the same time, don't get me wrong. I think that some of these topics can be done in that way that you were talking about of overcoming something. Yeah. Where if you're writing a backstory and it is really important to you that this terrible thing happened to your character and you want them to overcome it. And you talk with the, the DM and be like, hey... So I wrote this into my backstory. Is this in the world? And you guys kind of, you know, brainstorm something. Yeah. There. Then, yeah, doing something where elves are, you know, not looked well upon or something like that can be integrated. But at the same time, you should have that conversation with the rest of the table, too. Like, hey, I'm thinking that my character was, like, persecuted as yeah. a child and stuff like that. And then this world still has that and I want to overcome it. And if the rest of the table is like, well, that kind of makes me uncomfortable. All right, scrap that. Hold it for another character. Yeah. It, it, it really is about just having a conversation. Just, it doesn't mean that you can't ever have a character with that in your backstory. It just means that that's not the right group for it. Yeah. That's not the right group or campaign or place. Yeah. It's yeah. And I, I am going to say though, that, even as a player, because I did direct that towards ZMs, mm-hmm. as a player, also think about the people that are at your table and what they're comfortable with. Because yeah. I read a lot of other stories that were players doing this stuff. And it yeah. is, it's like, hey, um, maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the tricky part, too, because uh, working at the bookstore and, and DMing for kids, too. Yeah. Um, kids, a lot of times I've noticed, especially, uh, are kind of really wild when it comes to like what they choose to do uh-huh. when it comes to out of encounter situations. Like I had, uh, this one character who she was like, oh no, I'm good, but I want to be evil. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> and so literally like everything she came across, she was like picking up blood. She was like doing weird things. And I'm like. I'm trying to, like, make sure everyone else at the table was, like, fine with her going into detail about these things, but also carry on because we only have two and a half hours. Mm. But it was like, ah, I don't, 
And so it's like that's that's one of the things where it's it's kind of a gray area. It's well, like the, there's there was a straight up time at the bookstore that I got uncomfortable. Yeah. Because this dude goes, uh, oh, I want to seduce him. And I go, dude, you're twelve. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, no, I'm not I'm not sitting here and doing this. <laughs> no. Yeah. There especially if you're playing with kids. Yeah especially i mean like i know we talked about well, that, read that, the table but this is really really just even just look maybe, up your table maybe maybe not even just read the table maybe just be like a decent human being yeah just just look at the people around yeah. you <laughs> decide if it's appropriate yeah because like, like if, if, it, if a 12 year old shouldn't be saying it then you shouldn't be uh, inviting it yeah and and this is my own personal thing this is why i will never run or be in a grimdark game yeah um, Game of Thrones just kind of like killed Grimdark for me because I like uh, I read so many of the books so fast that I was just like I hate everything about the genre now. <laughs> so like because I I picked up a book at the the game store the other day and I'm just like, oh this looks kind of cool and then I, I flip through it a little bit and then I read down the bottom of fantasy dark world I'm like nope threw it back on the shelf yeah because I mean in a way it's tiring it is it really is yeah because it's you. When I mentioned escapism earlier, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's also just the sake of things are more carefree. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like in these quote well, dark worlds, it's like you almost have to be on edge. Well, it, it's also <laughs> like it, it's kind of it's like we talked earlier about AFK rooms at PAX. Yeah, it those kind of games are kind of their own AFK room where it's you get to recharge in doing something fun and cool and awesome with your friends. Yeah, and you're not worrying about everything else that is happening outside of that room. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. That that's that's a fine healthy thing to do as long as you still acknowledge what's going on outside <laughs> of the room. You're not just always in your escapist mood otherwise you turn into Tom Hanks and Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, it's that's a that's game? a great point. <laughs> what am I doing up here? No, that's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. I mean like cuz talk to your players just ask them like why do you guys play the game if it's to oh i want to tell a really cool story with like these cool themes and stuff it's like okay if everyone's in agreement with that then yeah. maybe approach these certain topics but if everyone's like i just want to have fun i don't really want to think about work i don't want to mm-hmm. it's like okay this is just God, i picked the wrong okay quick aside i did skulls and shackles for a oh, bunch yeah. of navy people and the beginning of that is working on a boat and for like i was like 30 days and I'm right like, I that was that was unfortunate. <laughs> you just got done working on a boat all day, and now I'm making you work on a fantasy boat. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's that's the kind of thing you know. Ask them like, hey, do you want this to be gritty and dark, or do you want this to just be escapism? Do you just yeah. want to have a good time. Like, what do you want out of the game? And and yeah. you know, to be fair, some people have a good time doing grim dark. It's not me, but yeah. it might be you. But whatever. Exactly. I mean. That's just also good advice in general is just ask your players periodically what do you want out of the game? Mm-hmm. Because especially if you're playing like the long game where you're like three years in and you don't even remember like what it was like at level two anymore. Our Pathfinder game. <laughs> <laughs> just ask them like, hey, what do you guys still want out of this game? And it's mm-hmm. like if people have answers most of the time and will tell you. And so that's something that I would definitely advise doing for DMs is just to kind of uh, periodically check in with your players and see what they still want. I feel like if we ever do merch for the show, it's just going to be a shirt that's black with white text that says, read the table. I want that now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, I think we have gone on enough about that mm -hmm. with uncomfortable topics. Uh, <laughs> you, again, boils down to talk to your players, talk, talk to your table, conversation, conversations. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move into the DM's Guild Spotlight. Yay! This has absolutely nothing to do with anything heavier, nope. sad because I couldn't find anything that did that, and I didn't want to really do anything with that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this week's DM's Guild Spotlight is Hundred Monster Hunts, and I am a not only a purchaser but a user of this mm -hmm. uh, the supplement, and it is awesome. Uh, it like it says, it has a hundred monster hunts. Wow! Uh, wow! <laughs> but the cool thing about it is, is that it has them in different lists. So it has them by CR. Oh! But then it also has it in a D100 table, <gasps> where you Yay! can just Tables. roll and see <laughs> what adventure it is. Yes. And. Uh, it tells you what monster it is, what location it is, and then it gives you what the quest said. So, like, imagine you're pulling off a message board. Yeah. It tells you what that says. And it is enough information for you and the player to... I I, I did it improvised. I, I took this to the bookstore, and I had the CR for their level, and I went, pick one. And I, I had briefly read them. Oh, yeah. And it was enough for me to just be able to do it without a mat, without anything, and just go. And that's like the perfect kind of little side quest that you'd want. It is. It really <laughs> is. Uh, the the other cool thing about it is that it tells you, like, on the D100 table, it says reward, monetary, or uh, magic item. Uh, it tells you details like what book is required. Oh. Because it does use, uh, at the time of its release, all of the books that were had monsters in it, like Monster Manual, uh, like Mordekane's Guide, and Volo's Guide. So it tells you, like, hey, this one's going to need this one. That's actually really cool. I yes. like how it's organized like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and it even gives you, like, a suggested player level. Uh, it is one of the best things I've purchased on D&D Beyond, or not D&D, but on DM's Guild. <laughs> and I, I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Um, so that is 100 Monster Hunts, and it is by Val Serene. Uh, how much is it? Oh, it is $4.99. Oh. It, it's... For 100 mini quests, that's not bad at all. I'll take it. <laughs> and it, uh, it's it got a really nice design to it. So they oh. they really put effort Choice. into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go check that out on DMs Guild. 100 Monster Hunts by Val Serene. Mm -hmm. And uh, enjoy some monster hunting. Yeah. And as usual, we'll we'll link to that when we... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Topic two is your topic. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. Um, I know it's a huge thing that's not just in D&D. It's also in like writing and in painting and general law of creative works and, Don't I and know fields. It. Um, Help, like... We, this is episode nine, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it is episode, in total of episodes on this list, 51. Whew. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> and I still don't feel like we're podcasters yet. I know. It, and we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, kind of a brief definition or like a explanation of what imposter syndrome is is it's when someone doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a quote fraud and something for dms is that that happens a lot oh yeah um because not only do you have like this 
whole table in front of you who are expecting you to narrate this entire world. And it's all these expectations and responsibilities that you feel is having on you. And then all of a sudden after the session is over, even if people say, oh yeah, good job, that was fun. You can feel like, well, that was really bad. And and it's, it's kind of a weird wormhole that you dig yourself into. Mm-hmm. A spiral. Mm-hmm. I know those well. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's really difficult to pull yourself out of that. And all I can really say is like, if you're a player and you know your DM every now and then is like, notice that they're like, oh, was that a good session, guys? Like, be honest and tell them exactly what you liked about it. Like, bring up like, yeah, I actually really enjoyed how you did this and that. And that will do miles for your DM. Yeah. And not only will it like help them, it'll help you because then they'll do more cool things that you enjoy. It, I struggled with this for a long time and then like i i was even struggling there saying that i still struggle with it because i yeah. kind of do like oh, yeah. i remember the first time i had a table tell me i'm their favorite dm oh. and my first thought was oh i didn't realize i was tricking these people like that <laughs> yeah it's yeah, because you, you like, feel like i'm not actually doing this this he, is all a, a front yeah i was just <laughs> like oh i uh what what am i doing that's making these people think i'm that good yeah and it, it wasn't I didn't take the compliment like I just mm-hmm. kind of festered on that it's what what's making them think I'm that good mm-hmm. not what is it making what's making it me be that good yeah it's because you don't believe that you're but imposter syndrome kind of kind of comes out of nowhere or it can kind of be continuous mm-hmm. and constant and that is a huge thing for DMs and just something I also I wanted to bring up that kind of ties in with that is the impact Critical Role has had on D&D and the hobby itself. Yes. Because imposter syndrome can kind of come out of that from either just watching it and being a player or from seeing Matthew Mercer now, and I, the I, DM. I, I want to put a preface on this. Critical Role is awesome. It's amazing. Everyone on there is a fantastic person. Matt Mercer is yes. an amazing DM. Yes. And his players are incredible. Yes. We're not saying anything bad about critical role oh yeah no i have good things to talk about critical yeah role. <laughs> oh yeah 100 like i mean i like i don't watch it week to week but like they did a cthulhu one the other week and i was yeah. just like oh, i'm gonna watch that for sure yeah um but what it has done for some people's perception of what D D is that's game a good word for game, it yeah hasn't always been the best and that's not on them at all because they are a highly produced, lots of money pushing behind it show. And that was all of their own volition, too. Yeah. So it's like, it's really cool for them to do all that. But at the same time, it's not necessarily, it's oh, it's bad for the hobby. No, mm-hmm. it's a really good thing for the hobby to bring D&D to such a huge limelight. Because yeah. it's brought in so many more people into the hobby itself. It's, mm-hmm. I mean... So many more people on DMs Guild, so many more people just watching, and so many more people at the bookstore mm-hmm. come in straight up say, oh yeah, I come in because I watch so-and-so. It's like, yeah. Um, For the first three games I did, I prefaced my games with, I'm not Matt Mercer. Yeah. But, and... what, but what the crazy things was, is in the second game, I had three people show up that were sitting off to the side. I was like, oh, are you, are you going to play? And they're like, oh no. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Oh, okay. She's like, oh yeah, we love D&D. We watch Critical Role, but we don't play. Huh. So they just came to watch us play. 
Okay. Which I'm like, that's a new form of D&D fan that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I gave that warning ahead of time because I'm like, I don't want you to think that this is going to be a critical role experience. Mm -hmm. We're at a bookstore and I have a mat that I'm drawing on with dry erase markers. Yeah. Like, I mean, when it's not your job to be a DM, Mm -hmm. it's not your job. Mm -hmm. So more often than not, you won't have the time and money to dedicate towards having a huge production value, like shows similar to, and critical role and unless you want to do that don't think you have to yeah and that's all part of the imposter syndrome is that just because you don't put on 30 different voices just because you don't have an actual good english accent just because you can't be a scottish accent for every dwarf you play be different i got so tired of that i made my dwarves american in my canon i made my dwarves uh from cincinnati they um They, they were very concerned about our players. But um, it, just because you can't do that doesn't mean that you're any less of a DM. And it's really important to remember that. And like, even if you just write on a little sticky note saying like what you're doing is enough, like that will generally help push you through that feeling of yeah. imposter syndrome, especially while you're in the middle of playing. Because yeah. that has happened to me before where I'm just like sitting there and the players are talking amongst themselves and I'm just like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is not good. <laughs> yeah. And but the 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 thing that like I think we both want you to take away from this is that you are a DM. Yeah. Like it if you are behind a screen, if you planned out a game, if you're running it for your players, you're a DM. If you're behind the screen, you didn't plan a game and you're just pulling out a monster out of the monster manual, you're a DM. Yeah. <laughs> like there are so many ways that make people a DM. And as long as you're the one kind of not being a player, you're playing a game with your friends. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I mean, like I always say this, rule number one with D&D is have fun. Yeah. And if you feel like your friends are having fun, then you're doing good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> to, to tack onto that, though, like I have an earlier episode about that game that makes you want to quit. Yeah. And it's going to happen. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, you're, you're not going to have... Uh, an amazing game every time but that game doesn't make you any less of a dm it is a learning experience and hopefully you're going to walk away with something that you learned about yourself or your players about it Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make you any less of a dm when you have that game because honestly it's a win because i've had that game at least twice now and it's like you kind of i really recommend just talking it out at least with one of your players if not all of them at the table after the session just be like straight up guys i really didn't feel like that was a good thing and i mean you could even i mean it's a game you could even come in the next session and retroactively redo some things Mm -hmm. because i mean you just want to have fun and if that means we're doing something yeah like there was one session of straw that i know you and spencer didn't like yeah i talked to you about it and we had a conversation about it and I didn't undo it, but I heard what you said and I took it to heart mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, this is something for me to know. Yeah. Um, the, the last session I did with my Skype group, I didn't feel like it went well. Mm-hmm. And like they told me it was fine, but it's like, I feel like I could have given you guys more options and I felt like I kind of i didn't present things well enough right and so i was like are you guys cool with me undoing it and they said yeah so we're when we do pick up again we're gonna do that yeah 
Because, I mean, in the end, sure, it's this crazy, massive, world-building, narrative-driven, like, media, essentially, Mm -hmm. that you're building with your friends. But it's also a game. Mm -hmm. And if you... if part of you, the DM, having fun means kind of stepping back and rewriting a little bit of that because you felt it wasn't great at all. Mm-hmm. Talk to your players about it. Yeah, like, another thing I want to put in there is, like, I've had players that have only been there for my good games. Oh. <laughs> and so when they hear me tell them about a bad game, they're, like, shocked. Yeah. And it, they're like, wait, what? what? How, how did that happen? And I told them, it's like, I fucked up. Like, yeah, it happens. It does. And and that's because, like, I have gotten better about it. Um, You know, I always called myself a DM, but there were times where I didn't feel like I was a good DM, despite yeah. how many people told me that. Oh, yeah. I and know. It's... <laughs> it's, it, it, it is to the point where I'm just like, no, I, I am a good DM. I've let my ego have that, where I'm just like, no, I need, I need to be able to tell myself that for my mental health to continue doing this thing that I love. Yeah, I, it, people keep telling me that I'm good at it. So you know what? Maybe just accept it. Accept it. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest part, and I'm with you there. I mean, like we might sound like two egotistical persons on here, but now, but well, honestly, that, but that, that's it's... that's what I mean. Though is like, yes, it is. It sounds egotistical and stuff like that. But if someone's telling you you're doing good, hey, you might actually be doing good. And that's exactly it. That's yeah. the imposter they, syndrome they trying to just, fight you with that. <laughs> yeah, they might not just be telling you that to make you feel better. They might not just be telling that to not hurt your feelings. You you might actually be good. Yeah, especially if you put in hard work and you put in time and you did draw a huge map on that 30 by 30 grid. Tara, freaking Tara. <laughs> if you like, print out props and burn them to make I, them look aged. <laughs> I, I love my wife. She drew out that entire map mm-hmm. and it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen on one of those, you know, whatever they're called, whatever the battle mat is, yeah. right? It's, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen on one of those. And all she can say is I was off a square. Yeah. And that's imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's it right there. Yeah. Is that you did this really freaking cool, awesome thing, and all you're focusing on is the thing you messed up on that Mm -hmm. no one else is caring about. And you feel like uh, they're just saying they like it because they didn't notice. Or it's like you're saying, "Ah, it's cool, sure, but I will know it. Yeah. And, but there's this huge accomplishment that you just did. Mm -hmm. And it really brought forth things to the game that wouldn't have been otherwise. Mm hmm. And so, like, doing that alone is a good way, like, a good question to ask yourself if you're feeling like you have imposter syndrome just sparking up in the middle of a game. Ask yourself, what have I done today that's helped add to this game? Yeah. Because even if it's just, like, if a person rolled a critical success and they smiled and they high-fived someone out of it, that's, you had a part in doing that. Yeah. Because that was a creature that they took down, Mm -hmm. that you put in there. Yep. And you have a hand in them having fun. Mm-hmm. And if you have your players have fun and you have fun, that means you're good at it. That's yeah. If, heads up. <laughs> if your whole party is jumping up and down and cheering, but all you're focusing on is that you didn't nail that accent on that one character, uh-uh. that's imposter syndrome. Yep. Don't feel bad if you have it. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if anything we're saying here is you're like, oh, my God, that's me, don't freak out. Yeah. Because, I mean, spoiler, like a lot of creative types have it so well let me tell you let me tell you this uh so when i'm not doing podcasts or uh <laughs> running D games i write fantasy and sci-fi novels mm-hmm. 
darn good ones. <laughs> See, even right there, I'm just like, you're just saying that because you're my sister-in-law. <laughs> um, but like, I've been doing it for over 10 years and for the longest time, I kept calling myself an aspiring writer or would-be writer. Mm -hmm. And it literally took a published writer looking me in the eye and going, you're a writer for me to go, oh shit, I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, I, I almost kind of hope that this is you know, you listening who has imposter syndrome, that moment for you, you are a DM. You are yes. a good DM. Yeah. If you're there and your friends keep coming back, not just because you have yeah. them obligated, it's yeah. because they're if, your friends. If you're not, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, losing friends and alienating people, <laughs> you're a good DM. Yeah. So take take this to heart, if anything. Uh, if you're if you're playing D and D, you're you're doing it for the best of us. You're you're a DM, and there needs to be more DMs out there. Just so. Yes. Because there are way more players than there are DMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's a good... Yeah, I think I think that's a good place to stop on that one. Look, yeah. we're, we're, the, these topics are a little bit shorter because, well, I mean, they're, they're heavier ones, so... Yeah. They don't need to go on and on and on. <laughs> uh, so, you know what? Let's, uh, let's hop into some cheery stuff with some, uh, with some listener questions that aren't heavy or sad. Yeah. Um, so Hector Reyes wrote in, and, and uh, I know Hector. He's a really good guy and uh, another fellow DM. Oh, cool. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit about him after I, after I read his question. Um, I always homebrew in my games, and I have difficulty using modules or established settings like Faerun, yet you folks on the podcast make it sound so fun. I'm genuinely interested in hearing your opinion on homebrew settings and world building in D&D. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Aww. And uh, he wrote into difficultyclass at gmail.com, just like you can. <laughs> um, so Hector, man, this dude, he runs games that are insane, and I mean that in a good way. Oh, cool. <laughs> he runs games that are so big that he has a pool of players that basically he sends out texts, who can show up on this day? Anyone that can show up on that day does it. Wow. And uh, it's, it's like originally he did a West Marches style game, which we'll go into another topic. Um, but he, he runs games multiple times a week with different groups in the same world. In fact, in the same city. And what oh. one group does affects the other one. Oh. Like he, I am so jealous of him because we'll get to the bar where we all hang out at and two of his players will get there who are in different groups and they'll go, what happened in your game? Oh my God. That's so cool. And I'm like, <laughs> and I just stare at them like, I've never had this. That is so cool. Oh my God. This is so cool. <laughs> that's just giving me ideas. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> so Hector, if you have imposter syndrome, fucking don't. Um, but anywho, his question is about homebrew settings. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, when I'm not doing this, I do sci-fi and fantasy novels. Yeah. I do a lot of world building. I'm no stranger to world building. In fact, I did it this week just because I went, oh, let's see what this book would look like. Yeah, I mean, like, whenever I, don't I need to... I why I talk in that voice, though. That's not you. That's not me. <laughs> like, whenever I need to figure out what's a world building situation, I refer to you. I, I ask you about it. And, I mean, funny enough, my friend Adam actually talked to me about this recently, too. Because um, he was asking me, like, what's a easy to run module that I can do because um, Adam was feeling that all the modules he was looking at and reading and even trying to start uh, were very restricting for him. He felt like they weren't like freeing enough that he didn't know enough. That is an interesting thing. Yeah. Because what I found with people is either it is 
all or nothing. Yeah. Either you are running a campaign straight out of the book or you're doing your own homebrew. Yeah. And, you know, like like Hector said, like he does primarily homebrew settings, but we're making Faerun sound fun. The The thing is, though, is that like you can, in my opinion, still have your own fun with your homebrew in the setting. And the reason why I don't right now do any homebrew, because my, my fourth edition campaign, the one that we finished out, mm-hmm. that was a homebrew world. Yeah. Like I came up with all, like with most of the names outside of like Neverwinter, because I just stuck it in there and just made it make <laughs> True. sense in my world um is i don't have the time to yeah i like i don't have the time to sit down and come up with all of the types of government and everything like that like hector does that and i i am amazed at what he does yeah that sounds so cool <laughs> yeah because like it is his own homebrew like he mm-hmm. has political systems and all that stuff and that is fantastic and i'm jealous of it but i don't have the time to do it yeah um, and at the same time, the other reason why I like doing um, pre-writtens is because I, I kind of get something out of the book, too. Yeah. Not just the players, because, like, I'm getting to learn about Faerun. I'm getting to learn about these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's fun for me to, like, learn about a fantasy world without sitting down and reading a novel. Yeah. I mean, like, that was one of the things we talked about with Storm King's Thunder was like the whole of chapter three provides more information than I personally think the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide yeah. does at all. Yeah. And so it's like, just because you're running a campaign book, it, it, every campaign book kind of leads a little bit more information, if not a lot more information, mm-hmm. towards the greater setting of Faerun and yeah. slash Sword Coast. But it's that's something that I've noticed too is like a lot of people see it as all or nothing mm-hmm. you either take it as Faerun Sword Coast Northern Sword Coast this is it yeah or no I'm running my entirely own uh, homebrew and something that I can say for that is I've gotten to a point where I it only took me until like I think half a year ago like six months ago and I've been I've been DMing for a bit now mm-hmm. where I realized I don't have to know every single thing mm-hmm. I can just say what it is and that is what it is now yeah. because i could be in the middle of like oh you guys are in neverwinter i don't need to know the actual map of oh, neverwinter yeah. i can just kind of make it up and decide who's ruling neverwinter i can decide yeah. what the factions are in in neverwinter i can decide what the shops are like in neverwinter i can decide the pricings and it's like even though i'm running out of a module I still have a lot of personal world building that I'm doing. Like we're we're gonna get into this next week with the 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 Curse of Strahd review, but like that is, they call it a sandbox, mm-hmm. but it's not just a sandbox for the players. Yeah, it is a sandbox for the for the DM because you can do so much of your own stuff in it. And really, if you sit down and read a lot of mainly the recent campaign books, they endorse that so they really hard. do. Yeah, like. They'll, they'll say something like, oh, this character shows up here, but if they're already dead or you don't want to use them, just uh, put your own in. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And and something that I do, like, I my first D&D character is the king of Neverwinter. Exactly. Like, anything that ever <laughs> has to do with Dagult Neverember, nah, I don't care. Yeah. I, I mean, made like, him a bad guy. So if you feel like you're having, you're struggling even thinking about playing a module, just embrace the fact that you don't have to play in that setting. Mm-hmm. I think in the beginning of most of the campaign books now even has a section, like a whole chapter devoted to, you can pick this up and put it anywhere you like. Yeah. 
Because, like, I know even Saltmarsh goes to Saltmarsh now. They have mm-hmm. a whole section on how well, to insert it into your own campaign. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it's a Greyhawk yeah. place. Like, it's not even in Faerun. Exactly. But, like, you can just stick it into Faerun if you want, which is probably what I'll do. Yeah, I mean, like, it, that's, that's the thing about uh, homebrew versus the campaigns is that you can make the pre-written campaigns homebrew as you like. Yeah. You, you can do whatever you like with them. Uh, you can just take the encounters and drop them into your world. Yeah. So that's something that I would recommend. Just like leaf through a few of the campaign books and see uh, which ones are interest you, like either monster wise or well, plot wise. Th- this is why I like another reason why I will say Curse of Strahd is so freaking good yeah. is because of how it takes place. You don't have to be in Faerun. Yeah. You can literally drop it. You you can literally start that that campaign from any plane. Mm-hmm. And I love that oh yeah planar travel yeah uh, <laughs> fantasy world <laughs> exactly but you know get, getting like more down into what hector's asking like what do we think of homebrew settings i love them oh I yeah think they're great yeah like if you have sat there and taken the time to build and care for this world bless you i have so much respect for you <laughs> yes the most respect yeah. for you because like i know how hard that is oh yeah like i mentioned adam earlier he we are running through a homebrew campaign of his yeah he's built the setting he built the politics he has factions he has a map he has gods and i'm like this is incredible mm-hmm. i don't think i'd be able to put this together in any sort of fashion like you have yeah which is cool because it's like his thing mm-hmm. And it makes it so personal to where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, oh, we're playing an Adam's game. And it's such a cool feeling that knowing that you're playing something that someone worked really hard on. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you this, if you're a person that has only run pre-made campaigns or, or a pre-made setting, and you kind of hold your nose up to, to people that homebrew or world build, I will tell you this you there is a certain amount of crazy joy that you can't really get from other styles of dming when you've worked on like a character or a setting or Mm -hmm. something like that and then you hear to your players like oh i well i'm from this place and it has this history and they know about what you wrote yeah it's like oh wow they like this and yeah it, and it kind of it's that moment where you kind of get over that hump of imposter syndrome where you're mm-hmm. just like they remembered it they're talking about it they think it's cool yeah and it's it's totally awesome because like my, my players do that but it's like you know about strahd or a sierra rag or something and i didn't come up with them no. but it's still it's it's like it's cool to hear about because we played the game together mm-hmm. but when it's your own stuff you're just like oh wow that's that's neat yeah <laughs> And I mean, like, I think every campaign book is written to at least a certain degree of expectations of homebrewing, mm-hmm. like being involved in running the game, because it's I think it would be more difficult to run campaign books as is than it would be to adjust things as you go. Yes. And, and a lot of the new campaigns, you, there's no running it as is written because they're all sandboxes. Yeah. Which is like awesome. You, you cannot... <laughs> sit down and like uh, what you were talking about a couple weeks ago where you hadn't read it ahead of time and you just sat down and the sight reading yeah, yeah, the sight <laughs> reading you cannot do that with tomb of annihilation no literally not, no, you, you cannot, cannot. <laughs> you 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 gotta read the entirety of yeah. the port nine zaru chapter yeah and just be ready for 
anything they throw at you. Yeah, trust me. I tried it. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of those sessions where I had to go back and be like, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like with Tyranny of Dragons, you could do that. Prince of the Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, but with, like, Curse of Straw, Tomb of Annihilation, or Storm, Storm King Thunder. Thunder. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. But, that, I mean, basically, I mean, Trevor and I both love Homebrew. Yeah. We could, we yeah. would love to play it more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, Hector, I hope that uh, answered your question. Uh, and send in more, because that, that was a good one. Yeah. Like that one. Uh, next, we are going to go to our good buddy, Aaron, who uh, is awesome and keeps writing in all these wonderful questions and topics. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, thank you. You are the best. Yes. Uh, so... Uh, what campaign module could you play over and over again? No heavy spoilers. Come on, Aaron. You know us. We're not doing spoilers. Yeah. Get out of here with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did like your take on it before we started recording of which one would we love to run over and over again and which one would we like to be a player in over and over yeah. again? Uh, what, what do you got? So for me, I mean, like, it, it's no secret. One of my favorite like modules is Storm King's Thunder. <laughs> Even though I haven't technically finished it yet, I would love to run it again. Mm-hmm. I would love to run it again with even people starting from the actual level three or level one yeah. and running through Golden Fields instead of uh, wherever they started at 10 towns. So it's like, there's so many different avenues that you can do- go down in that one campaign. Mm-hmm. There are so many different things you can do. There are so many different allies, enemies you can take. And it's like, you can entirely go against the entire point of that book and still make it out alive, barely. And I only got to discover one path of that. I would love to run that again. And I know I would love to run it over and over again. <laughs> like, if I had a complete control over my life, I would love to just play that every week at the bookstore and just be like, all right, guys, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we, we had, like, a reliable group that would show up every week, yeah, that'd be oh, great. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think for for my one that I would want to run over and over again uh, would be Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. I and I'm kind of getting to do that right now by having my Skype players go back there. Yeah. But like, yeah, I would love to start it from the beginning every time with Cinder Sylvain and them starting in Port Nine Zaro and having to figure out all this stuff because once they get out of Port Nine Zaro, you'll infinite ways they could go i mean yeah i i told one of my players uh because he's gonna be running to, uh, tomb of annihilation for some co-workers and he's like how much of the book did we do i went you maybe did 10 percent." <laughs> exactly and like, i mean like another good benefit about running something over and over again especially like th- something sandboxy like yes. that is i mean my friend ben he was saying because we were running through Tomb of Annihilation. Mm-hmm. I, I was a player as he was DM. He said, yeah, this is the third time I've run this part of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And this is the best time I've run it. Yeah. And I know from here on, every time I run this dungeon, it's going to be better. Well, like, <laughs> like I've I've run the beginning of Lost Minds of Fendelver oh, seven or eight times now. Yeah. And I get surprised in some way every time. Exactly. Like the adventure series, the only group to just go, well, yes, there's nothing left here. Let's go to town. I'm like, I'm oh. ready for this. I was just <laughs> going to go to the cave. Um, so, yeah, I, I stuff like that is it's fascinating to watch different groups go because e- you could play a railroady, you know, uh, encounter series over and over again but if it's a different group something 
incredibly different is going to happen every time. Oh yeah, nothing you'll expect. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. So, so which one would you be a player in? Tyranny of Dragons. Really? Yeah. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I'm the kind of player that I really enjoy feeling heroic and being mm-hmm. the good guy. And Tyranny of Dragons is the the basic premise is that you're going to be taking down this huge threat to like the true. world. And it's such a cool, epic, heroic story. And the fact that I was able to, like, take down this threat with my friends and ragtag team of, like, allies. And it's it was such a cool feeling to be, like, able to just deal with this threat. And that was something that I love feeling. That's that's funny because, like, that's the one that, like, I had the most fun or not not the most fun. Like, I had a lot of fun with. I'm, I'm never going to say most fun because I don't want any other group to be like, what about me? Uh, yeah. I, but, but, like, the way it's written and stuff like that, it's, it's, a, it's a campy thing I'd turn, like, turn my nose up at. Mm-hmm. But when you put it like that, like, think about it. Like, yeah, that really is probably one of the most heroic campaigns they've done. Yeah. Where it's like, no, you guys, you're the heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're going to do you this. You saved the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that kind of feeling is so cool. And I wouldn't mind playing it again just because of that feeling. And also just because of, I mean, the adventure was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine, uh, even though I've never played it, I've never been a player in it, I would freaking live in Curse of Straw. <laughs> like, I would I would be whatever freaking class. It will level me up once a month. I don't care. Let's do 20-month campaign. I'm just going to lay back. Enjoy <laughs> being in uh being in uh Barovia and all that stuff. I just I love it. It's so good. Oh yes. Because like because like in that one too, you guys did not see everything. Oh, I know we didn't. Like you like <laughs> that that lake? Yeah. You could have crossed that. Oh, yeah, we was, didn't. We was, said nope. <laughs> there was a thing across there. There was there were uh there's oh my god. Um three main characters you guys never met. Main, main freaking <laughs> characters you never met. And it like I, I I love it. I I could live in that place as a player, not as an actual person. That'd be terrifying. Oh, no. God no. Um yeah, no, like I I would be insufferable in that game too, because I just be wanting to check out every corner and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, let's go in here, let's go in there. So yeah, that that's that's the one that I I, I love it. Well, I, I think that, that answers I th- those I th- questions I think, pretty I think well. That does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of drifted off there and like, ah, oh, Barovia. <laughs> uh, but thank you two for writing in. Uh, they wrote into difficultyclass at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do that too and get your question read on the show. But speaking of show, I think that's going to be the show for this week. Yeah, I think we did well. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, uh, please consider leaving a review on whatever podcast service you're listening to and maybe tell your friend about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll like it. That'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe don't start them off with this episode. Maybe not. Maybe don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could start off with like one of the earlier ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want your question or you know your own RPG horror story read on the show, oh, uh, you can send those into <laughs> difficultyclass at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast, which we're getting better about posting on, which I'm really proud hey. of us about. Uh, but yeah, uh, until next time, don't get killed by a really alienating DM. Thank you.